The Big Blue Box Podcast, Episode 3. Hello everybody, thank you very much for joining me on the Doctor Who Big Blue Box Podcast. This is Episode 3, my name is Gary, thank you once again. Coming up in today's episode, I'm going to be running through some newsy bits for you that's been happening in the world of Doctor Who. I'm going to be running you through a review of the Doctor Who experience uh, that I went to with the family a couple of weeks ago over in Cardiff. Then I'm going to take a look at um, this week's uh, classic uh, Doctor Who story, which is Tom Baker's Pyramids of Mars. Um, What have I been up to since the last podcast? Well, first of all, I must apologise. It's been... um, I'm actually a week late, I think, or a week or so late uh, getting this episode to you. The reason for that is because I've just been really busy. <laughs> There's no other excuse other than that. Um, during my uh, during the day, I'm a web designer and web developer, so I've got... Um, it just seems to be a really busy time for me at the day job stuff at the moment, and that's overspilling a little bit. Um, on top of that, I run another blog um, with a friend of mine. We've got a full-time um, geek, sci-fi, uh, TV, movies, comic book... Um, kind of blog over at two shots to the head.com so I write that full time plus we do a podcast over there as well um, yeah so that's it really I've just been really really busy so um, apologies for not having this uh, episode out to you sooner I will definitely try harder um, to get this uh, to get it out to you on a regular two-week basis um, and secondly I've got a bit of a cold so it's really sorry if I sound a bit raspy or a little bit um, husky um, that is not intentional. I'm not putting on a uh, uh, a, a radio um, a sexy voice or anything like that. <laughs> I've just got a, um, a really, really sore throat and getting over a cold. So that sucks a little bit, but um, <clears throat> it's all good. We're back on the podcast. So, um, so yeah, so what I've been up to. Um, so I went to the Doctor Who experience um, a couple of weeks ago. And I will come on to that in a little while. I'll give you a full-on review. I put a, uh, I put a review of the, um, of that on the site already, a written review. But I wanted to expand on that uh, just a little further in this podcast, just to tell you why, um, why I I put those things in the review, um, and a bit of justification for that. And other than that, just watching loads of who really um some standout episodes that i've watched over the last couple of weeks would be um a couple of tenant episodes um i've watched blink i don't know what stopped you talking but i can guess they're coming the angels are coming for you but listen your life could depend on this don't blink don't even blink blink and you're dead they are fast faster than you could believe don't turn your back don't look away and don't blink luck another good one the uh, the weeping angels and I like this because it's one of those um, I think I think people refer to these episodes as dr. light um, episodes where the doctor doesn't really feature too much and he, he's not the main focus of the episode it's uh, it's um, again the supporting cast and um, I quite like these episodes because um, it just it's just a change you know it's a it's a change of direction, kind of mid-series, um, and it, they're they're just these one-off, almost creature features, and um, and Blink is a is a very good example of that. So the Doctor is in it; he's in it, you know, he pops up throughout, but um, 
it's more about these people who um, who discover the weeping angels um, and uh, who kind of get drawn into this um, into this uh, plan that the doctor's got in order for him to um, essentially he's been touched him and Martha have been touched by a weeping angel and they've been sent back in time and he hasn't you know he hasn't got a tardis or anything so he has to kind of leave messages and clues in the future so that um, so that the um, the main uh, character who's a um, a, a girl can um, basically bring the TARDIS back to him, so he can so he can carry on. And uh, it just really, really um, the Weeping Angels are a are a modern classic um, uh, monster, if you like, um, in in Who. And uh, it's just a really really good episode. So I've been watching a couple of David Tennant ones. My sons really like um, the fiftieth anniversary day of the Doctor, so we've watched that again. Um, they really, really like the the banter and and the comedy between um, David Tennant and Matt Smith. So I must admit that is very cool, actually. Um, and I really like John Hurt as the as a Doctor as well. So um, so that's all good. I've also gone back and watched um, the Proms. recorded that when it came on TV um, it was quite a few months ago now and uh, yeah because I was actually at the proms at the Royal Albert Hall and it, it was just absolutely superb probably one of the best um, uh, classical uh, concerts I've been to not just because it's Doctor Who but the atmosphere was just incredible on that night I mean it was really hot that was the only downside it was ab- like almost unbearable at times it was so so hot but it was a really nice day for it and um yeah just the atmosphere in there was just amazing and the music was was just incredible it's just hearing hearing all the doctor who music done by live orchestra was out of this world for me i love that so um yeah so i, I rewatched that unfortunately they the bbc didn't put the entire concert on it was an edited down version and uh they they missed i mean they played the key um the key uh, pieces from from the concert but they did edit out a few really cool bits one of them that springs to mind is the companion suite um, which was near the beginning where they just um, not all of the old classic companions but from Rose um, through to Clara they played their kind of themes if you like and um, that was amazing because as each they had like these really big screens in the Albert Hall and they had video playing that accompanied the music and when Rose came up on the screen, there was this huge kind of gasp of air. Everyone was like, <gasps> you know, and it was amazing. And then when Martha, you had the similar reaction. And then when Donna's music came up, everybody started chuckling and it was really cool. And it was just a really amazing night. So I went through and watched that again. Um, and that was very cool. And really, that's it for me in terms of who and what I've been up to since recording the last 
um, podcasts. I've also been chatting to a few people on Twitter. Thank you very, very much for the new followers. Um, I'm giving you a virtual wave from behind the microphone. Thank you very much for following me. Um, and just say hi. If you've, if you've followed me recently on Twitter or Facebook, just uh, send me a message, a tweet, whatever. Just say hi. And uh, we'll have some fun talking all things who. So without further ado, let's get stuck into the news. In this episode's Doctor Who News Roundup, um, I've got three or four stories I want to talk through, um, some recent stuff. And um, this podcast should be going out on Friday the 9th of May. So um, I'm hoping this first story is uh, is very relative um, and timely. Um, you, may have re- you may recall in the last, um, over the last, sorry, uh, few months, there's been a build-up to... Um, this box set of Doctor Who soundtrack um, that's being released, and um, there's two different versions of it. There's it's run um, well, it's made sorry by the the guys at Silver Screen Records, and essentially what it is, it's a 50th anniversary collection, and it's got all of the well, I say all, it's got a lot of music from um, Doctor Who from way back at the beginning, so 63 all the way through to 2013. Um, in its 11 discs and it's 11 disc edition um, and it comes in two formats um, there's um, the the very very cool TARDIS edition and what that is it's um, it's a it's a proper wooden um, replica of the TARDIS and it opens up and everything and the um, the CDs are in these very cool little books um, and that that's that looks just amazing. The TARDIS, the actual quality of the build looks really, really good. Um, but if you can't afford it, I think it's about hundred and I think it's about hundred and thirty pounds if memory serves. Um, but if you haven't got the budget for that, there's also the um, the standard quote unquote um, edition, um, which will retail for seventy pounds. Um, so you get the same music. Um, it's just in a different format. You don't get it in the call. In a very cool TARDIS um, box with the opening doors and everything, it comes in just with your standard, um, your standard kind of uh, CD sleeves, and it comes. It's like a little fold-out box, and all the CDs come in their own little sleeves, and that's it essentially. You don't get the the collector's book and stuff. Um, but the good news is, if you haven't actually pre-ordered these yet. Um, unfortunately it's not the same for the TARDIS edition because the pre-order for that closes tomorrow so um, by the time this podcast goes live that's probably going to be closed um, however the the standard 11 disc edition the one that retails for 70 pounds they've actually extended the pre-order window for that um, so now you can order that up to um, 10 a.m. on Friday the 16th of May um, so if you haven't ordered that yet and it's something that really appeals to you, um, you can go ahead and order that now. Um, so that's 10 a.m. Um, that's obviously UK, uh, British summertime, um, Friday the 16th of May. And if you pop over to, um, I think it's just DoctorWhoMusic.com, um, you'll be able to find the info on there and there's a link through to the order site. Um, but that does look very, very cool and I'm, uh, I'm still in two minds about it. I, I absolutely love the music of Doctor Who. Um, I really do love it and uh, while I'm probably not going to go for the TARDIS edition I'm very tempted by this standard um, edition so um, I'm still hovering over the order button and you know very in two minds so um, I will I will 
make a decision on that in the next week or so. Um, yeah, but yeah, if you're into the music of Doctor Who, this has got some fantastic uh, stuff on it, and it's the um, it's it's the music. Like I said, it's all the way through from the beginning, from 1963 through to 2013, and it's the key moments and the the most popular music from each series and the movie, I believe. Uh, so moving on, uh, Doctor Who has won a couple of awards at the uh, BAFTA uh, Television Craft Awards. Now it's always nice when uh, when Doctor Who wins awards because it's um, it must be it must be a nice uh, feeling for the people who make the show and work on all these different aspects because it's one thing having like a very high um, uh, viewer count because when Doctor Who was on. Um, you know, so obviously there's millions of people that watch every episode, um, but it's nice to be, um, it's nice to have recognition for um, specific things to do with the show. And um, they picked up two awards at the um, at the Television Craft Awards. Uh, the first one is um, the Day of the Doctor. That one special visual and effects and graphic effects, um, which you can kind of understand because that was. Uh, uh, quite an epic um, uh, special and that was crammed full of really good um, visual effects graphic effects um, so that's you know I'm not really surprised by that one that's very cool um, and the second one is um, the absolutely brilliant docudrama An Adventure in Space and Time that went out on BBC Two um, again for the 50th um, that won an award for best makeup and hair design now you might you might think you know really makeup and hair that's not that great but if you think about um, an adventure in space and time the time period in which that drama is set um, which is back in the um, early sixties um, just before Doctor Who uh, began that you know that's um, anyone that's seen it can, you can tell that it's made so well it looks you know just like it was. Um, you know that time period really you know the sets are all very well done um, the costumes just really so the whole thing is, is is done pretty much bang on to that time period really so to win an award for you know the style and the design of of everything that made up that that docudramas that so that's very very cool so really glad that Doctor Who picked up a couple of awards there um, thirdly the pretty much a living legend within the world of Doctor Who, uh, Mr. Terence Dix. Um, he's going to be giving um, a public talk. Um, so, as you know, Mr. Terence Dix, he was um, script editor for the show from, I think it's 1968 or 69 through to 74. I'm sure it's 1974. Um, and has also been involved in you know many, many other... Um, Doctor Who uh, related stuff um, he's going to be giving a talk um, at an event hosted by um, Airdrie Library on Wednesday the 14th of May at 7 o'clock um, uh, so you can you can arrange um, I'm not sure if it's a tickets based thing or, um, or or whatever but you can you can contact the library I've got the telephone number here it's 01236 758070 and um, you can give them a call and inquire and find out how you can get along to that um, but that should be very very cool um, 
normally when you see um, interviews or talks by people who were involved with Doctor Who many moons ago um, they've normally got a, a raft of, of of information and insight and and, and stuff that you, you didn't necessarily know about the show and they're just very very cool really interesting so if you can get if you can get over there for seven o'clock on May 14th um, you'll be in for a treat to listen to uh, uh, Mr. Terence Dix and lastly for the news um, uh, well really big news for uh, Mr. Matt Smith um, it doesn't seem like he's been out of the role for that long really and he's landed himself a huge movie role um, alongside or opposite um, Arnold Schwarzenegger in the new Terminator franchise uh, so that's a bit of a that's a bit of a shock that one I I was assuming that Matt Smith would go on to uh, to some big things and um, and he's been spending a lot of time over in the US for the last few months so I, I, I was guessing that a potential movie role was on the cards or you know at, at least um, a role in some US TV show but um, to star alongside Arnie in a Terminator film not just a film but in the franchise so it sounds like um, he's going to be because the Terminator films I learned recently is actually going to be a new trilogy I think so he could potentially be in the next three Terminator films but he's definitely in the next one which is well it was called Terminator Genesis I'm not sure if that's still the title for it but um, apparently his new character has a very strong connection with John Connor um, so that's out next year in July and um, yeah so fair play to Matt really that's that's amazing and um, yeah he's such a good actor you know Doctor Who aside he's such a good actor I can see him going on to be in some very very cool stuff um, and hopefully this is the first of many um, cool things. I mean, I'm not sure on, um, on on the substance of the Terminator films these days. I think they've been trying to make one for a while, but they've been holding out for Arnie because uh, obviously of his political career, he wasn't able to do it, and now and now it's moving forward. So, um, so fair play to Matt. Well done, buddy. So that wraps up the news. Um, now going to move on to the review I've got for. The Doctor Who Experience in Cardiff. The Doctor Who Experience in Cardiff. Now this was a um this was a, a first for me. I'd never been to the to the Doctor Who experience um, even when it was first in London I, I didn't get a chance to go to it then and it's been in Cardiff for a couple of years I believe now and um, um, I'd, I'd wanted to go and check it out for a long time so I rounded up the family and we took a we took a trip over to uh, Cardiff for the weekend um, mainly for the purpose of going to this but also to go and check out some you know some some cool sites around Wales and Cardiff it's a really nice place and um yeah, so the Doctor experience, it's kind of a... Um, I'm not going to spend too long about this because, like I said, I did put a review up on the site the other day. Um, in that review, I, can't, I was in very much two minds about the whole thing. And while I thought the, the first part of the experience was very, very good, so when you first go into the, 
into the tour the first half of it is very interactive so it kind of feels like you've been dropped into an episode of Doctor Who and uh, you've got Matt Smith kind of uh, sort of narrating your your first part of the tour and it's very um, it's very very well done I'll say that for the guys who have designed the experience it's um, all of the nods are there to the to the current famous monsters of Doctor Who you get you interact with um, Daleks, Weeping Angels, Cybermen and that's all very very good and Matt Smith himself is just his usual um, zany crazy uh, Matt Smith sorry Matt Smith and um, yeah like I said it's like you've been dropped right into the middle of an episode and Matt Smith is um, uh, the Doctor he's he's in, imprisoned in another Pandorica and uh, he needs you to kind of free him and you know the first room is very cool it's got these props littered around and uh, the next room you're actually in a proper TARDIS and the kids can you know it feels like they're controlling it a little bit with these joysticks and then you go through um, forest with the weeping angels and then you end up in another one and there's Daleks around and they move and, and all that kind of stuff so that first bit was very especially for the kids as well the kids absolutely love that first bit um, and it, it it does feel like you're you're in like a very small journey, an, an episode. Um, but my main issue was the second half of the experience, and it's it's difficult because it's not really a complaint as such. It's just more of a mm, yeah. I just wish there was a bit more, you know. And I think I think possibly this was this was my expectations were a bit higher because. Anyone who's been to the Harry Potter uh, studio tour will probably feel the same the same way. Um, in that, that's a very similar um, that's a very similar setup. In that, um, it's got a very small interactive bit at the beginning. There's like a in the Harry Potter tour. There's like a little you're in like a mini cinema and there's like a um, a short video by uh, Daniel Radcliffe and um, Rupert Grint and. Hermione Granger and you know then opens up and then you're straight into the the Grand Hall at Hogwarts and then after that you're free to wander around so it's very very similar in that at the Doctor Who experience you're free to roam around in the second half and <clears throat> you can take photos of all the props and costumes all that kind of stuff but I think just because the the Harry Potter one is just so vast and there's so much you can tell that the um, that Warner Brothers and um, the makers of the films have have really kept everything in such good condition and there's so much of it as well it's so so good I was kind of expecting the Doctor Who experience to be roughly the same <clears throat> um, and I think what lets it down slightly is just the size of the venue because when you're going through the first half everything is everything is, is within a decent scale um, the rooms are a nice size it doesn't feel cramped and as you're walking around, there's not much really that is out of your eye line and out of your um, your kind of field of vision. But when you go into the second bit and you're, they've got all the costumes and props and got like full, they've got the actual sets from inside the TARDIS there and the TARDIS consoles. It's all great, but I think they've just they've tried to pad out too large a space. And now I don't know if this is because they plan on adding extra stuff in a in a year or two or a matter of months 
I'm not quite sure, but it just felt like I don't know. It was just so huge in the in the last bit, and they just it just didn't feel like there was enough stuff in there to warrant having that much space. It just felt empty. Um, and when you first go through, they've they've put some stuff up on the wall, like um, like the cover of Radio Times and Doctor Who and some other media bits. But throughout the rest of it, it's quite dark in there, and they haven't really made much of the. I guess in a nutshell, they just haven't made as much of the site and the building as they could have done. They could have, they could have decked the place out in so much cool stuff on the walls and the ceilings and stuff. And it would have just made it, you know, true to its name. It would have been more of an experience because the first half very much was an experience, but the second half it was just like, you know. And don't get me wrong, the actual stuff they had in there, the the actual, the actual items, the props, and the costumes. You know they were fantastic it was really good to get up and up close and personal to those things and while you're not allowed to touch them you can you can certainly get close enough to take very decent photographs and stuff but it just felt empty it felt like a bit of an anti-climax you know but you know overall don't get me wrong i i, I did really really enjoy it as, as a, a doctor who fan i thought it was very very good but you can tell that if you went along with somebody and you weren't really a fan of Doctor Who, you would probably be relatively bored. Once you're in the second part, there isn't much going on really, other than the history part and um, and all that stuff where you can read about stuff and take photos and and yeah. So and then the shop at the end was quite cool. I mean, they've they've got quite a few bits in there, and I picked up a load of stuff. And there was quite a few bits in there. Um, that I hadn't seen before as well. Um, most of the stuff uh, you could get online, either at the um, the BBC shop online or Amazon or similar. Um, but the there were a couple of bits I hadn't seen before. There was some cool artwork in there. There was some um, uh, some T-shirts that were quite cool. So I picked up a few bits in there, and that was good. Um, and then that was it really. So, um, like I said, overall I really really enjoyed it. As a Doctor Who fan, you know, I was absolutely loved, you know, looking at, you know, some of the stuff that had been used in actual Doctor Who episodes. I loved all that stuff. I loved going really close to um, the costumes and seeing them in the flesh and also the, the full-size TARDIS um, uh, builds as well. That's very, very cool. Um, so I would definitely recommend it um, if you've not been yet. I think it's going to be there for quite a few years yet. I think... It, um, I read somewhere that it's going to be there for at least at least another five years. So you've got plenty of time. But if you haven't been there yet, I would would recommend going for sure. Um, but just if you've if you've been to the Harry Potter tour, um, then don't raise your expectation to to match that because it's not as it's not as big, it's not as grand, and it's not as it's not filled with as much stuff. So just bear that in mind. Um, but it's definitely still worth the trip. This episode's classic story is Tom Baker's Pyramids of Mars. No, you will not die yet. Identify yourself. Just destroy me, Sutek. Nothing else now is left within your power. Identify yourself. It is within my power to choose the manner of your death. I can, if I choose, keep you alive for centuries, racked by the most excruciating pain. 
Since your interference has condemned me forever to remain a prisoner in the Eye of Horus, it would be a fitting end. You would make an amusing diversion. Identify yourself, plaything of Sutek. I'm a traveler. From where? Gallifrey. The constellation of Casterbridge. Names mean nothing. What is the binary location from Galactic Zero Center? 10 zero, 11, zero, zero by zero, 02. I know the planet. Data retrieval. So, you are a Time Lord. Uh, Pyramids of Mars. One of my favourite um, classic Who stories, um, starring the fourth Doctor, Tom Baker. And uh, when was this out? 1975. It was back in October through to November. And first up, one of the reasons why I like it is it's one of those stories where it doesn't take that long to, to watch from beginning to end. Um, it's just spread out over four fairly short episodes is about 25 minutes half an hour long so you can quite comfortably watch this in one go it's not um it's not mind draining um you don't have to sit there with you know 100 percent attention span throughout the entire thing like some of the other serials from the classic era um <clears throat> blimey some of those some of the other ones that you know they can run for 10 12 episodes at a time so this one's fairly short. You can you can get straight into it, and um, and yeah, it's it's a very cool story as well. It's um it's another one of those Doctor Who uh, stories where it's it's a quite a contained um, story, and what I mean by that is it doesn't go. It's not one of those stories that take that takes you on like a a trip throughout the galaxy or the universe, and you go to lots of different places. It's just one essentially just one place which is a big as they've done many times in Doctor Who it's just a very big mansion out in the countryside somewhere and I think it's set in the early 1900s in in England Uh, surprise surprise and Doctor Who tends to favour these um, these stories set out in the countryside and these big houses a few um, excuse me a few other um, stories that spring to mind is things like the Seas of Doom um, Unicorn and the Wasp, uh, the audio play, The Chimes of Midnight. Um, it seems to be a common theme, but this one does it very, very well. And um, the, the setup for the story is, is pretty basic. There's um, there's a, an, an archaeologist, um, uh, Professor um, Scarman. Um, he's out in Egypt, and he's he's he comes across a, a chamber underneath a pyramid and inside there is the um, the, the bad guy for the story uh, which is a guy called Sutek I think his full title is Sutek the Destroyer if I'm if I remember that correctly and um, he possesses Skarman but all the time while Skarman is in Egypt um, he's um, at his house in the English countryside, he's been sort of kind of replaced by this strange Egyptian guy. And if memory serves, his name is 
Ibrahim, Ibrahim, and he's kind of um, looking after the house, if you were. And um, so the doctor and Sarah they're on their way back to uh, meet up with Unit, um, but they're on their way. On their way there, Sarah, Sarah Jane sees like the image of um, the image of an Egyptian uh, kind of. Uh, uh, cat dog kind of head thing inside the TARDIS and you know the doctors I think that's actually a jackal it's like a jackal like um, uh, kind of face um, and the doctor follows this um, it uses a lot of energy to you know to get this inside the TARDIS so um, the doctor follows this back and that's when they end up at the house and then from then on it's just a case of um, uh, Sutex followers so Scarman who's been possessed and um, uh, Ibrahim, between them, their kind of plan is to free Sutek from from his from his prison, if you like, um, because the he he's one of the he's he's the last of a race of people called. And I have to make sure I'm saying this correctly. Um, Osiarians, Osiarians, Osarians, yeah. And uh, it was basically a you know he was imprisoned by his own people. So Sutek is in this prison, and he's just been waiting there for for centuries, I think, anyway, um, for somebody to to enter the the chamber and you know and start start his plan to get him free. And it's essentially those two guys, really, um, Ibrahim and, and Scarman, and they also uh, release these um, service robots. Um, you know to aid and they're, they're like the famous kind of big mummy things that you see on the cover of the, the DVD and stuff and they're very well done actually they're the way that the costumes done and the makeup they actually look very very cool I mean I mean I didn't realize that beforehand that they were they were like side like cyborg you know robot kind of things I thought they were actual mummies so um, the makeup's done really really well and they're kind of just, um, yeah, they literally are just service bots, whatever. And they just aid in um, Scarman and Ibrahim. You know, they're any kind of intruders or people who are a threat to the plan. Um, they, uh, they they kind of assist and, and carry out those their orders, basically. And there's some there's some good supporting cast members in this as well. Obviously, Scarman, he's he's very very good. Um, his his brother's very good. Um, his character name's Horace. Um, uh, sorry, no, not Horace. Um, I can't even remember. I can't even remember his name. <laughs> um, it wouldn't be Horace, would it? Um, but yeah, so um, Scarman's brother. There's also a poacher out in the woods. Um, he's very good. It's just this real kind of classic British um, 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 acting by. Uh, the, these three um, sort of elder gentlemen as well as the Doctor and Sarah um, so you know the, the story kind of runs along nicely and and um, before you know it Sutek is, is, is very very close to um, to being released from his from his prison and um, you know the Doctor and Sarah they do manage to to stop him and so the way that he stops him is quite cool actually because um, as we know, the Doctor doesn't really go in for the whole killing thing. So, what he does is he disrupts the 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 time vortex, um, 
and he basically, you know, forces Sutek, you know, m- like m- like so far into the into the past that he just ages to death essentially. Um, so he doesn't actually, you know, it's not he doesn't actually physically kill him there on the spot, but he does he, do- he does actually, you know, cause him to die essentially. Um, and the Doctor is very very cool in this. I love Tom Baker as the Doctor. He's one of my favourite um, classic uh, classic Doctors. Um, he plays the part. He's it's one of those episodes where you can tell that he's just really in the zone um, and just playing the Doctor so so well. And it's one of those it's one of those episodes where you you just kind of feel like Tom Baker, and it happens with a few other Doctors as well. Um, it's one of those episodes where the actor is just doing it so well and so naturally. It's one of those times where you just think, wow, this, this guy can just play the Doctor in his sleep. You know, he's, he's very, very cool. Um, and Sarah Jane's quite quite cool in this as well. Um, there are some uh, Tom Baker episodes where she doesn't really do much. You know, she kind of... Um, she just runs around a lot in some episodes uh, or some stories um, and not really do a great deal but in this one she actually gets her hands dirty a little bit she's um, she uh, she's handy with a rifle um, at some point and she's um, yeah she's, she's a bit of a tough bit of a tough companion in this and um, she earns her stripes if you like um, but yeah so Tom Baker's very very cool um, and the whole kind of Egyptian thing plays out well. Um, like I said, the supporting cast are very, very good. Um, Sutek, Su- the, the actual character Sutek is very, very well done in this. The the character voice is very, very well done. Very kind of menacing, very sinister. <clears throat> and um, yeah, just really, really well done. So it's one of those stories where I can sit down... You know, on a Sunday afternoon, and and watch through very, very happily, and uh, yeah, it's just a very, very good story, worth checking out if you've not seen it. Um, one of Tom Baker's best, I would say. Um, and there isn't much else to the story. I must admit, it's just um, the beginning part is obviously Sutek um, being stumbled upon by the archaeologist. Uh, the ending is the the Doctor and Sarah managing to to stop his release from his prison. Um, and then the middle act is um, really character driven really it's like a to and throw between the Doctor and Sarah trying to get into the mansion and uh, get past these mummies these service bots um, and the Egyptian guy Ibrahim and Skarman you know doing all they can to kind of get Sutek released really so um, but it's very very cool though very good classic coup um, and worth picking up <laughs> That wraps up episode three of the Big Blue Box podcast. Thank you very much for joining me again. It's been very cool chatting all things Doctor Who and giving you my views and opinions on the TARDIS Traveller. I will hopefully see you again in a couple of weeks' time for episode four. But until then, if you want to chat with me, you can find me on Twitter at Big Blue Box PCast. You can also find me on Facebook, facebook.com slash Big Blue Box Podcast. And obviously over at the site where I put these podcasts and other views and opinions, which is www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. Just pop onto one of those um, channels and just tell me what you're up to, what you're doing with Doctor Who, 
what you're looking forward to um, and if you've got any opinions on this podcast anything you want me to change anything you want me to include just let me know and uh, or if you want to appear on this podcast if you've if you've got some opinions on anything you want to talk about do please let me know and we can try and sort that out and I should hopefully have um, an interview with you on the next episode so uh, I will confirm that on Twitter or Facebook in the coming days so until then thank you very much again for joining me and until next time, Alonzi.